It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MotoETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning. And joining us is Richard Bishop, a consultant focused on automated driving strategy and partnerships, and also a contributor to Forbes.com. Thanks for being here with us, Richard. Yeah, good to be with you guys again. Well, this week, you've written a piece for Forbes.com with the headline, Starsky Robotics Failed. Does that mean automated trucking is dead? Well, let's maybe start out with a bit of background about uh, Starsky Robotics yeah. and what happened. Yeah, Starsky was one of the earliest players in uh, the automated trucking space. I met their their founder, who uh, um, his name is uh, Stefan Seltz Oxbacher. I met him at the Florida Automated Vehicles Summit uh, back in 2015, I think it was. And, you know, he, he stood out because he had the classic look of a startup guy, a young sort of energetic guy. And, and we talked and he had some interesting ideas. So I was spending the winter in California that, um, that year. And, and so in January, we met up at a coffee shop. He told me about his idea of uh, remote driving for trucks. So he wasn't going to go straight at automation. He saw a, a sort of an intermediate idea of a remote driving. And um, although I thought I wasn't so sure that was going to gain traction, you know, he went ahead and founded his, his company. So Starsky has always been different from the other truck startups because they, they started with remote driving. It was really their calling card and they, they got into autonomy a bit, but uh, not as much as the other guys. There's a lot more background to that, but that's sort of the, the basics. And Alan, uh, Alan, you were pretty familiar with Starsky as well. Yes, I was familiar with them too, had discussions with them and uh, sort of followed them. And of course, Richard's right. They, they were looking at uh, at remote driving, um, which is ends up, you, you sort of do want remote monitoring of all of this stuff. Uh, but the idea of being able to actually drive on a normal situation, uh, any latency and, you know, we're going to need maybe 10G, not just 5G to be able to, to to have that and to have all the various cues that go around uh, that you gain in, in that driving environment to, to stay safe and, 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 and not crash. Uh, remote Doing it remotely is... Uh, is a, ends up being a real challenge. Uh, you can the first eighty percent is trivial. The last twenty percent, as in most cases, or last nineteen percent, as in most cases, is really tough. The last one percent yeah. may well be impossible. Yeah, and what the market really wants is is to replace the driver, not relocate the driver. The economics, of course, are vastly different if there's no driver at all. Well, I guess the, the question is, what happened? Uh, the company goes under, um, and you've done some research into some of what Starsky's CEO had to say in a post on Medium, specifically, I think, his assertion that investors abandoned trucking, automated trucking uh, systems altogether. All and yeah. you're kind of skeptical about that. 
Uh, yeah, and, and he didn't use those specific words, but I understand that as a way to kind of summarize it. He he felt like the whole investment climate for automated driving was was chilled uh, a lot, and his uh, uh, lack of funding is was an indication of that. And I felt like he was vastly overgeneralizing um, and and not putting other information out there. Of course, it was his own perspective on his own company. Of course, Stefan's a an interesting guy, and I'm I'm glad he wrote what he wrote. What he wrote, but the uh, the media picked it up as kind of an echo chamber phenomenon, and it, that perspective was going around the internet. And I just felt a strong need to to push back, talk about what the other companies are doing, and that sort of thing. Uh, and there's been some very uh, significant funding rounds, funding successes by companies like Embark and Too Simple, Icrobotics, at the same time when, when uh, Starsky was looking for funding. Um, so the general feeling is the, the unique aspects of Starsky is why Starsky didn't get funded. It's not a message about the entire industry. I I think one of your messages also uh, dealt with the the issue of safety, Um, sort of my view on the on the safety thing. Um, uh, Safety may not sell. You know, it's sort of sort of known that safety doesn't sell in this situation. Safety doesn't have to sell. Safety is a necessary condition. It's a floor. You're not safe. You're not in business. Every investor knows that. Every investor saw what happened to Uber. Okay. You know, I, I put maybe a outlandish claim out there saying it cost Uber $60 billion by simply looking at the valuations or this potential valuations of Uber pre the Elaine Herzberg crash and post the Elaine Herzberg crash. Some other things happened, but nothing as major as that thing. And it was 120 by Goldman Sachs before, and they went out at 60. Okay, explain that to me. To me, there's one X. The safety is a floor. Every investor knows that. Every investor knows there's a ranch out there. If we're not safe, we're not in business, I think. What do, what do you feel on that? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, the problem is sort of operationalizing that principle, especially with, with investors. And I got a, a fair degree of uh, a, agreement from my, my colleagues across the industry. The article basically is some views from me, but then I polled most of the companies in the truck automation industry to say, what do you think of this? And it was a surprising degree of, of, of agreement with uh, Stefan's frustrations with investors, you know, how they, they can be bamboozled, they can be hoodwinked. Uh, as Stefan put it, which, you know, I think needlessly provocative, but he says, you just got to lie to your investors. Well, that, you know, you can't generalize about investors either. There's a broad range of, of sort of savvy out there. Uh, but safety, um, in it, it's a it's a sort of a you would know better than me, Alan, but it's sort of a, a theoretical thing to say. Okay, we've done a process. You can prove you did a process uh, that results in a statistical likelihood of of low chance of any catastrophe, and there you go. And it it's it takes a very sophisticated uh, player to understand all that, and those people probably don't exist in the investor environment, um, and so that's. I think the companies are doing the, the safety job generally, but 
for, for the general public, all you hear are assertions about safety because the details of how they're doing safety are highly proprietary. And so it, it continues to be this, uh, oh, it's just an assertion. How safe is it really? And there's not a good answer coming back because of the good answer takes hours and weeks to understand only if you have the, uh, you know, the skill set. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, the whole safety thing, e- even for those who have the skill sets, it's really right. It, it's really tough. And uh, of course, we don't know what we don't know, which is yeah. which is the key piece of the whole darn thing. And at some point, people have to get or go around saying, look, we've done as as good a, a job, as honest of job as 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 we we can we've defined in this operational design domain, which is really the key of this thing to, to really uh, test under conditions in which you're going to operate and then operate only in the, in the conditions as best you can uh, where you've tested and not leak out of there. Because when you get yourself in trouble is when you leak out of all of that. Mm. And so that understanding by both the investment community, those that are doing it, uh, those that are, using it is really key to go out there and say hey i can do this anywhere i mean come on i mean cut it out Uh, just cut it out just stop right now okay in certain places yes and in sense you know i i agree with with what you've been saying on on the trucking industry there's there is an enormous opportunity for the trucking industry to benefit from this before they take the driver out why? Because it improves the quality of the life of the driver. The poor driver, somebody who does this, who is feeding their family uh, on this. I mean, you know, this is this is not relaxing like we're relaxing right here, Richard. Not, a great job. Uh, not yeah. at all. You know, you you don't pay attention for for three seconds and you die. You know, I mean, it, there is enormous pressure. So to have technology in there that brings the whole thing along that basically improves that that work environment for the truck trucker has enormous benefit it has enough benefit for the for the for the owner operator to invest in this as well as any any ceo to invest in this and let's get get familiar with it and let's get and at some point say oh my goodness yes we can go the next step and do this thing and 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 what that allows us to have is to do, is to deliver value along the whole evolution of that of that process and and anyway i think that that's what you're Certainly. pointing out to in your article yeah um absolutely um the and what's been interesting in the last five years or so is to see the trucking industry come around to what originally was a wacky ludicrous concept right. <laughs> right. in their world and it started with with platooning. Right. Um, automation was this thing only crazy people were talking about. But platooning, I started uh, leading a task force for the American Trucking Association in 2014. And um, uh, Freightliner and Peloton were developing platooning, and we brought that into the conversations. And it was the initial, what are you, crazy? You want my driver to be that close to another truck? And yeah. over time, they, you know, they clicked into it because the – in that case, fuel economy benefits were so compelling. And that sort of led the way into created, I don't know, softened the ground, I guess, for the automation piece to come in. And again, because of the, the business case and the economic benefits are so eye-popping, 
the the serious players in trucking said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna look hard at this," and so they're they're on board. <coughs> Excuse me, um, they're on board, and it's it's challenging to evaluate all these factors we're talking about. Do do you see this as a judgment about uh, uh, remote controlled vehicle versus? true self-driving vehicles. Is this a, a judgment on that, what happened here? Um, let's see. Well, yes, basically, yes. Uh, the business case there is not that strong. Starsky pivoted to say, oh, we're going to do remote driving only on the, the feeder roads to the interstate, and then our trucks will continue on to the interstate and uh, do fully automated driving. But the, the background uh, info I got was that they they didn't go as deeply into that on-road automation as as the other guys did uh and uh, i now i'm speculating but it seems that maybe the investors were able to see that they were lagging the rest of industry a bit and they didn't have a, a strong offering compared to where else the investors might put their money all these other companies out there I think the other the other point uh, maybe we should move to is having to do with the AI that's that's involved in some of these things. Uh, uh, I think that uh, what what they pointed out was that the AI is tough. Again, whether again, eighty uh, percent of the AI is pretty easy. Nineteen percent is really tough. I think the other one percent is doable, as opposed to uh, with remote. You know, isn't uh, 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 that? Um, but uh, but we still have an enormous way to go on the AI, and I think uh, the way that it's been improving, I think, has the opportunity to reach it. Um, I am not a fan of unsupervised learning. I, I think it's an oxymoron. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it, boy, this is an opportunity for us to do unsupervised learning right now. I hope all the Princeton <laughs> students at their home learn, baby, learn, and then I, I don't have to be, a, you know, I, I think it's, it's almost ludicrous, uh, you know, to think about it. Um, uh, so, uh, but but in fact, you know the 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 sort of where we are so far in the in the supervised learning, we're still basically frame at a time as opposed to time series video video type things. Uh, <clears throat> things evolve in the tr- in the in the driving function. They don't happen instantaneously. Instant. We don't go down the road, you know, just opening and closing and. Right. Yeah, opening yeah. and closing. You know, there's a continuity there. Uh, the what uh, what happens around you, context, and so on, worldviews. All these things are really important in terms of of doing this. That are still in the very beginning of being brought into this AI world. So, uh, your well, thoughts on that, uh, Richard? Yeah, it it is. Um you know, one of Stefan's premises is that there was super fast improvement uh, in AI applied to understanding a driving scene. And, and that was true. And then he asserts that um, everybody thought it would keep going at that rate. And um, probably, a, you know, the deep experts in AI would have, would have said, no, we never expected that. It's going to get harder because that's the classic yeah. corner cases that are out there. Um, and it has slowed down a bit, but I, from what I can see, you know, Waymo 
continues to make huge progress and, and other folks too simple. There was a too simple quote that said they're looking, looking pretty good. Um, and unsupervised learning, you know, the term obviously uh, creates skepticism and it's, it's probably not accurate, at least to what I know about it. <clears throat> yes. There are, there are players who are, you know, out there getting in front of, uh, the startups and uh, the, the the vehicle manufacturers showing what they can do with what's called unsupervised learning, and it's it's a, it's in process, but it's it's looking like a, a valid way to go. And very interesting, uh, just last night uh, the news dropped that an unsupervised machine learning company called Helm.ai got a Series A funding of thirteen million. And, you know, 13 million doesn't sound like much, but when you're an AI company, you just have people sitting in a room working stuff. <laughs> yeah. And they could be social distancing. And I, you know, yeah. I, I... <laughs> you, you can, you've got a long runway if you have 13 million and, you know, a few dozen people. And in fact, if, if they're not getting together and doing what they normally do when they get together, which isn't also good, they're writing a lot of code, man. They're like 18, 20 hours a day. Boom. So, yeah, yeah. so who knows? Uh, all that's happening uh, these days may in fact be, be helping all that. Right. And uh, full disclosure, I've been uh, advising and helping out Helm AI for a couple of years now. So okay. I also right. my congratulations to them. Okay, good. It's good to know they're putting that $13 million to good use. <laughs> <laughs> right. What are your thoughts, uh, Richard, about uh, what the COVID-19 crisis could mean for autonomous trucking, deliveries, mobility? Oh, wow. <clears throat> good question. Um, well, yeah, I think the, the core piece is there's been debate over the years about, oh, we're going to transform society because so so many fewer cars will be roaming around their robo taxis and they'll each be multi-occupant cars. Um, you know, people, and then the debate has been, well, well, regular human beings, particularly Americans really want to share rides with every ride they do. Uh, well, I think the, the COVID thing has really taken that one. In- That's hurt. That is, we, yeah. that is, you know, uh, that really hurts. And um, I don't know how we'll, we, we, we're just going to have to think and, and work even uh, twice as hard, uh, 200 times as hard. I don't know. It's, well, yeah. maybe, you know, the vehicle platform becomes a two seater instead of a four or five or six seater, you know, that's a little more radical, but it, it if, if that gets locked in, there's no point in having a bunch of uh, four seater vehicles running around. Yeah, unless, uh, again, uh, for families and so on, well, and the issue is, is whatever, but but you're probably going to have an array. The, the, the ride-sharing piece has been really hurt by this, okay? And, and, well, I think, you know, we're not calling this social distancing. We're calling this physical distancing. Hopefully, it's not social distancing. Uh, you know, what oh. it's going to do to our whole society, our whole, I mean, are we really just going to interact like this, Richard, or we going to get around and whatever yeah. back to where we were. I mean, this, this is, That's this is a, sort of okay, but, uh, uh, whatever. Uh, that, that's a whole different, that's a yeah. much bigger picture. But, you know, I kind of, uh, but as an aside in, in my piece said, well, really, you know, a driverless vehicle is, is the best way to get around if you're going yeah. to do ride hailing, uh, in a, in a virus world and the delivery pieces that are out there, the delivery, uh, bots, uh, 
yeah it helps it should be it should be even easier you know i've sort of argued that the best time to do deliveries are between uh, midnight and 5 a.m when there's nobody on the roads and you they can go out there and no kids playing in the streets right now this is almost 24 7 there's no kids whatever uh but uh, you you don't you don't need it for all that i mean i i still i i still thought felt that, that that with respect to the driverless delivery opportunities that at least in in the village like Princeton or it looks like where you are, uh, you know, Amazon will figure out an Amazon box or something to put on your curb, just like your mailbox or, or yeah. not like your mailbox, but like a mailbox. And these things will, of course, know the kind of, of receptive reception device you have at your home and it will automatically know what to do because of it and and hey all that can be just come out of um you know robbinsville and come here boom it's 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 almost a no-brainer and i I would imagine amazon which doesn't tell us very much about what they're doing i don't know if you know what they're doing they don't tell me i don't i don't want to know anything proprietary anyway so that's not that's yeah. not what I'm trying to do, but they have to be working on this. Their their most or one of their biggest issues has to deal with how do we how do they get this stuff to my to my house? Okay. And right. and this yeah. is an enormous opportunity for them, especially when much of their business is based on it being free. The only way they can get the cost close to free is at some point uh, the drivers have to do something else. Yep, that and the electric platform, you know. And that and the and, and electric platform looks like, hey, it looks like it's so easy. Um, it's going to come out of China. Look, we 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 got the electric bicycles, we got the electric uh, scooters. At some point, the electric whatever uh, comes out of there. It 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 basically is deluges us. And they're all over the place, I guess. I don't know. Talk to me here, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, as soon as you start talking electric vehicles, I just tune out. You know, it's not my not my world. Yeah, it's not my world either. But but uh, the sort of I I guess at times I I drink the Elon uh, Kool Aid and 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 you know when Elon basically says that uh, you know the fewer parts the better you know every part that you can take out of a process is even a better process take the oh, parts yeah. out you look at the number of parts in an electric vehicle versus the number of parts in an internal combustion i mean you know all of a sudden it says to you whoa and um yeah they, you know i people always are talking about you know truck automation as a job killer and it will replace workers but if you think about the electric powertrain and all the mechanics out there working on internal combustion engines they're going to lose their jobs right uh, it's better for society and for us as end users yeah, and and we might use more, and they'll find. I think yeah, they'll find new jobs to do. Yeah, okay? sure. I, I look. I'm not worried about about a truck driver uh, uh, moving into a better job. I I, I think uh, I think that's that's a real opportunity. Plus, in some sense, 
for some of the things that are being moved, you can afford an attendant because the stuff in the back is so damn valuable. Now, some yeah. stuff isn't yeah. that valuable. Security, so, yeah. uh, security uh, customer service, a uh, whole yeah. bunch. Yeah. And then give that person some other things to do. I mean, you know, uh, let him be, let him or her be customer service. Wouldn't it be better to have a customer service agent just cruising down the highways and in the environment? Like you are rather than stuck in some cubicle, who knows where I've, I've thrown that out there and, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm with you. Yeah. We will continue in just a moment, but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. You can get more information at MOTOETF.com. ETFs, as you may know, can be a good way to spread risk. While investing in a category of stocks, there's a white paper titled The Smart Transportation Revolution at MOTOETF.com. Under the Insights and News tab, worth your time to, to take a look and learn more about the focus there. Getting back, as a result of COVID-19, Waymo has now stopped all of its autonomous vehicle testing and services in Arizona. It had previously been continuing offering rides in vehicles without the safety drivers. That was the last time we spoke, Alan. So, uh, yeah, I... Guess- I it- it was i think i think it was a good idea that waymo had to go out there and and do a driverless it must it has to mean that they had enormous confidence in their system that it was safe they would not have done that you can imagine the lawyers and everybody else around the table, not only from Waymo, but from Alphabet and everywhere else saying, hey, yo, guys, are you sure you know what you're doing here? And, and you know, and they've methodically done that and evolved to it so that people were comfortable with it and said, yeah, you know, I guess there is a risk, but life's a risk. Uh, we never get the risk zero. And, uh, and so, yes, let's go do it. I think it ended up being more of a public relations type thing in terms of the operation and so on and so forth. And given this uh, and, and people really wanting to, uh, to not provide mobility for people to move around that in fact, you're supposed to be staying home and so on that I, I just think that they just yeah. said, we're, we're, we're going to take a breather. We can still write on work on the code. We can still run our simulations. We can still improve the whole system. Uh, let's, let's just do that. Uh, these are, these are challenging times. And I think it was, I personally think it was a very responsible thing for them to do. Richard? Well, and, and I look at it in terms of, uh, obviously, anytime they're running their driverless system, they have a support staff in a remote center somewhere monitoring. Sure. And so that became just a classic, here's an office environment that maybe we shouldn't have people there. Right, right. Uh, I would say, really, all the news reports about, you know, Nero and uh, Starsky and Cruz shutting down their, say, their t- testing it's not news at all. It's just like any other company saying, we're not going to have our people in the same place together. It's just, it should be ignored. It, yeah, it should be ignored. Absolutely. And there's, well, a lot of stuff out there should be ignored. I, uh, my wife and I don't watch the news. Okay. Actually we stopped watching um, in 2016 in November, but whatever. Um, uh, I, I mean, it's, uh, there's just noise. <sighs> People are putting stuff out there 
it's worse than clickbait, you know, that I put in there. I mean, it's just, come on, you know, this That's is ridiculous. I wrote the fourth article because they were just echoing one guy's opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. More to it than that. Yeah, I, I, hey, uh, I thought your article was fantastic, and I'm glad they they published it all and they put it in there, you know, and all that, and all they gave you all that ink in some sense. But I yeah, guess yeah. it is electronic, but whatever, it's it's the same thing. It's very good, and and that's that's nice. I don't I don't know if this is reason for optimism or not, but uh, Ford put out a press release this morning saying it plans to restart production at, at some key plants in North America as early as April sixth. And they expect to resume building vehicles the following week. Well, uh, you know, I, you know, I, if you look at an assembly line and you look at where people are staged along an assembly line, there's probably physical distancing that exists there. Okay. You tend to not have two people working right hand in hand. Especially now with, you know, with the way these things are set up with all the, the yeah. support and, and robot mechanisms that are all around you. In fact, you know, there is a distribution of people. And so, um, um, you know, so I, the issue, I, I think you can maintain the physical distancing there. Uh, they have to clean the places and so on and so forth. I mean, I, I still go, I, I go to, to um, uh, outpatient therapy three times a week uh, down at um, uh, St. Lawrence Hospital. And, you know, they, they check me on the way in as to whether or not I have a, I have temperature and so on. They ask me if I, if I don't feel good. And then you go in there and then after I touch anything, somebody's there cleaning it off. Uh, we maintain separation. Uh, I wash my hands who knows how many times. I, I, you know, they're, it's a shame we have to do all that, but I think one can, can do some of that and begin to function um, something better than at, at a zero production level. And so um, uh, I think uh, one has to maybe applaud Ford for going out there and saying, it's not that I'm going to throw everybody in there together and get everybody sick and, and have all of our employees die. It's just that uh, maybe we can, uh, we can begin to operate, uh, certainly not at the same productivity. And, and one of the comments that's been made about all these, these facilities, you know, up to this point in time, our, the objective function was to do things as cheaply as possible. <laughs> That's going to change. Resilience is going to be a much more important aspect yeah. of all of this. And so the kinds of, of things that we end up doing is going to then maybe move to, you know, to take a look at uh, maybe it'll be a little bit more expensive, uh, but will be safer and we'll be able to be more resilient and be able to do these things. And I think it'll be good for, I think that'll be good for everybody. Now, in this instance, right now, you have to think that the, the real care will have to be taken during the shift changes when the employee. Uh, during the, or, or, or they, they hire some more people just to go in there and, and do the cleaning because that's what exists down at down at uh, St. Lawrence Hospital. They're, you know, they have people in there that basically clean the surfaces and so on and so forth. There's a few extra staff there. Creates more jobs. Great. I mean, you know, 
uh, better than driving. <laughs> we can take all those drivers, put them right, in there. Right. I, I just feel <laughs> for the uh, the executives who have to make those decisions about when to go forward and with very limited and conflicting information. Oh. My hat's off to them. I don't know how I would function in a situation. Oh, the, the information is not just conflicting. It's just bad. I mean, you, you, it's and it's not normally distributed. You know, there's a much, you know, error on this side is it's all biased in one form and biased heavily. And you don't even, oh, my goodness, it's just, uh, don't get me going on that one. It, <laughs> it, it, it's almost, it's essentially impossible to make decisions based on how bad this, all this information, all the, the this data and then to convert it into information and then to convert it into decisions. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. cut it out. I, you're almost, you're almost better just sticking your head in the sand and uh, saying, I'd rather not know any of this because, because of the biases and, and you don't know, you don't know where the biases are coming from. There's another piece in Forbes we want to talk about a little bit. It was by uh, Brad Templeton. It's saying uh, delivery robots could have saved the day if the virus had come a bit later. He points out uh, there's a huge upswing in demand for delivery and delivery companies are falling way behind. Uh, People have a sudden desire to not have a delivery driver touch their packages and drivers don't want to interact with scores of people. And finally, the roads in some areas have become almost deserted due to lockdowns. Yeah, well, I think we've already mentioned that. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we, this we has everything, everything to do with the home delivery. Absolutely. And, and, and uh, yes, there is an opportunity. Uh, and that opportunity will exist once this is over just as much as it, as it exists now. Um, my daughter went to the grocery store and then wiped down all the groceries when she went on, came uh, yeah. home. I mean, I mean, um, holy hell, uh, what, what, that's, uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, that thing about, they don't want a delivery driver touching their package. Well, some human touched the package at the, you know, warehouse or whatever. Um, it's like, but I think we will have to just, I don't know, wipe down our packages, I guess. Uh, I'm curious of um, uh, how it works, you know, how this is going to accelerate drone delivery as well. The federal government has been very cautious about allowing drones and it's go, it's moving, but moving slowly. And is this whole area going to accelerate in terms of parcel delivery with drones? And I don't follow the drone space much. It's just, I'm wondering. I, I I don't know. I mean, uh, to me, roads are just so much easier than than, than up in the air. And uh, I notice uh, you have a few trees around where you live. There are a few trees around where I live. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that maybe uh, and so on. Uh, and then and then you know, sort of. <laughs> My problem with drones is is just from an energy basis. You know, when you uh, when you need Bernoulli to to hold yourself up as opposed to just uh, uh, doing it with respect to a wheel, uh, the the wheel is uh, um, seems to win out. Um, you know, size packages and so on. I know that the distribution of package deliveries are, you know, I don't know, eighty percent of them are under five pounds or. Something like that, whatever that that distribution is, it's it, it you know is that. But uh, 
but having the drone go from uh, from the Robbinsville distribution center of of, uh, of uh, Amazon to my house and just to bring me my I got Velcro this morning delivered. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> oh, and 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 some drill bits, you know. So I got both. I must have weighed a pound and a half. Okay, yeah. could have come by drone. But at least the the vehicle that brought it here probably had 30, 40, maybe 50 other drop-offs in a tour that delivered that uh, to my house. Uh, I I don't know what it comes out to be when you when you actually run the numbers yeah. on it. But you know, uh, Amazon's running those numbers. Oh, have run absolutely. You know, they they know that. Okay, the, whatever the answer is, they know it. Yeah. Well, we mentioned Tesla before. According to uh, Electric, they now have thousands of vehicles available in inventory and are using the coronavirus shutdown to increase production capacity. Short term, perhaps a problem, but maybe a plus in the long term? I I think that's just a reflection of the way they do deliveries. Uh, I think if you look at any other car maker and you look at the inventory at the dealerships and, you know, they'll, they'll tell you that they have uh, 30 days of, of inventory or whatever the number is, you know, there are seas of cars that are available out there. They Tesla's a little bit different. They own the car themselves until they deliver it to you. Whereas everybody else, every, every other manufacturer passes that off to, to a, to a car dealer who then holds it before they deliver it to you. So it's a little bit different. Um, you know, what those numbers look like. I'm more interested in seeing what the production has been this, this past quarter out of the Shanghai facility to see whether or not China's really back in business or not back in business. Have they been able to do the, the physical separation in that facility such that they could, they've been back in operation and producing vehicles or not. Um, you know, I haven't seen the numbers. Maybe I haven't looked close enough, uh, but, but I'm sure in their, in their next, uh, you know, quarterly fil- filings, we'll have that and we'll have an indication to what extent China is back in business. And finally, Alan, from the clickbait section of the newsletter, uh, a report from the wall street journal headlined, Sleeping in self-driving cars, it's no pipe dream. Well, I don't know. This is whatever, this is level three. I am not a fan of level three. I'm just not a fan. I just don't think there's a, there's a, a there's a market for it. I don't think any, any company, no company is going to make a vehicle for which they're going to sell it to you, Fred, for you to maintain. And then you decide to use it in some automated process, but they're going to step back and basically uh, cover for you. They're going to say, no, 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 it's yours. It's your responsibility. We're not the one that's responsible. If you fall asleep, that's your problem. And, and my goodness, um, that's not going to happen. I mean, I, I just don't think there's a, there's, the business case in the end falls flat on its face. 
And uh, yes, it might be nice to be able to sleep sometimes, uh, but if you're you're only going to sleep if somebody else has the responsibility of, of of operating that that entity, and 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 that responsibility has to be either it's a pilot, or it's a locomotive engineer, or it's a bus driver, or it's an automated system that is in fact in the hands of a responsible entity that has maintained that and that that is taking that responsibility and delivering that to you. Uh, individuals delivering that for themselves. I don't buy it, but you know, if you're talking about sleeping, then you're not talking level three, you're talking level four. Yeah. And, and sure, you know, that's Waymo's pitch and Cruz and everybody else. And I, you know, people want to use time in ways other than driving. And I just, that's great. Once, you know, that market develops. But that's somebody else providing the service. Yeah, know, right. That's not you providing it for yourself. Yeah. Okay. So which is go ahead. Three back to level three. Uh, yeah, you know the 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 technical concerns about level three have been out there forever. Uh, it does seem. You know, I actually wrote a Forbes piece on this several months ago. It seems like the competitive pressures really, which Tesla is kind of leading the other guys in terms of creating competitive pressure on the traditional automakers. Um, and at least Mercedes and BMW have said, and actually Honda as well, that they're bringing level three to the market. Um, and again, you know, highly constrained ODD, BMW, people have told me that uh, they're going to monitor the situation, you know, geofence it only to uh, high level high-grade highways, but also moment to moment, if the conditions on that highway aren't good, they will withdraw that feature function. And they're serious about it. You know, they're, I think they can figure it out. But what I've also heard is maybe the marketing people are going to start throwing around that term level three. But to us engineers, we're going to say that's a level two plus 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 system that they didn't cross the line to level three. Right. And so that's something I'm really watching closely this year. I think by late this year, we'll have some things on the market that are level three. Uh, Honda, you know, it's hard to judge actually what's going on with the Japanese market, but Honda has said in their legend, they have a level three system out for the Japanese market. And it's also something like uh, 40% more expensive than their regular legend. So I think it's more of a, you know, a statement than a real, uh, introduction to the market they'll probably sell a handful of them well it, it will have to be 40 percent more because if they accept they're going to have to accept the responsibility when they say go ahead and sleep and if you if if, oh, wait, wait. And if you have sleeping. maintained don't, it don't talk if, about sleeping with level three okay That's well not sleeping. paying attention okay i i it doesn't matter cluing out okay That's it it if it requires a driver to pay attention, then it's not level three. Okay. If it, at least that's my, that's, well, that's the difference. The driver okay. has to be available to take over, but they can be not paying attention. That's the deal, which, but, which creates a lot of requirements for in cabin driver monitoring as well. Not what their eyes are doing, but what posture they're in and are they available for takeover and that kind of thing. If I can't hop in the back seat, then it's not level three. Okay. <laughs> I just, I mean, my def, your definition or, or what the marketing, I mean, can you see what the marketing people are going to do? 
they're going to they're going to show people hopping in the back seat or pe- which is the fundamental problem that that that, that Elon got himself into. In other words, he created something for which either the perception or the marketing took it to the other step, which it wasn't supposed to go there. You're supposed to be paying attention. You aren't supposed to be going by an area in which you know the system doesn't work and still be playing a video game. I mean, uh, how much of an idiot are you you going to be? Well, let me turn it around. Marketing, this is fun. Yeah, yeah. Really think about the level two systems out there, the hands-off level two systems with eyes monitoring, driver monitoring. Yeah. That's really hard for marketing to sell because, you know, who really wants to sit there not doing anything with your hands or feet and just staring out the front? I mean, Cadillac's been successful, but really the, the user value goes skyrocketing if they can look down do stuff on their phone and all that. And, and play their video games, yeah. And if this system takes, takes responsibility for safe driving during that period, that's a big, big win for the marketing guys if they can deliver on it. But when they take responsibility, they take on liability. I know. Okay. Along with responsibility comes liability. And yep. the issue is, is uh, are they, who's going to do that? And yep. it, if BMW or Mercedes says, hey, yeah, we got you covered in when we say that you can sit there and do whatever the hell you want to do, we got you covered. Uh, I'm buying it. OK, there's no doubt about it. I'm going to buy it. I just don't think they get there. I, I, I think they, I, huh? that's the question mark. In a couple of years, I would have said a couple of years ago, I would have said no way. But it seems like. That's also when traditional OEMs were saying, we're going to have level four by 2020, which, you know, level four is spaced down. And so level three is with all this constraint on it, you know, ODD, et cetera. Um, They're talking about it seriously. It's, it's, and so let, you know, let's watch it. Let's have another. Hey, we're watching. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see what happens six months from now. I, I actually do not know. But, yeah. Well, I think one of the other things that one of the things that I think is going to happen in these six months is I think a lot of the technology is going to improve simply because the people who are writing the code. They have nothing better to do than write the code. OK. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. in fact, a lot of the a lot of the improvements and a lot of the checking of the code takes place under a simulation environment and doesn't really need to be out there physically. And in fact, you know, all of that. There, there, there could be some, you know, hey, we got nothing better to do. Let's do this. We aren't out playing golf or, you know, uh, I don't want to mention that. I, I don't do any bad things. So uh, <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> okay. I have no idea where you're going, but I'm glad. I, I'm glad I didn't go there. <laughs> hey, hey, Alan, let's let's uh, remind people again about the uh, Smart Driving Car Summit that had been planned for May, of course, with the uh, virus. Uh, that's been postponed. Any news on uh, on the plans for that? No, no news on the plans except we're really looking at the obvious time, which is uh, which is um, um, uh, fall break uh, in the third week of October to do it at Princeton. Uh, the the challenge for doing that is everybody's looking at at those weeks in October for doing things. Uh, but uh, that may be when we do it. Uh, had some thoughts about trying to do it, you know. 
a Zoom platform such as this. I think Zoom works well with three of us and so on or with a handful. We're trying to figure out how it's going to work with classfuls of students. You know, we're in our first week uh, since uh, spring break and, and, and here at Princeton with nobody on campus and uh, and we're going to learn a heck of a lot. Uh, maybe we could pull something off, you know, doing, doing it remotely. Um, it may very well be that October is the best thing for us to shoot for. I guess we're all hoping that the San Diego AV conference, I haven't heard that it's, it's still on, right? It is still on. Yeah. And so, yeah. So So. July 27th through 30th and uh, we're planning it. I'm on the planning committee. And, uh, and of course we're watching the situation. Yeah. Everybody's watching it. So it's, it's really too early to cancel that one. And it looks like that one will take place. Um, and, and uh, having that take place and having us, uh, maybe have something, um, in, uh, in October here is good. Um, you know, the, uh, the automated vehicle uh, task force, uh, uh, here in New Jersey, we've completed our report. Uh, we completed it, uh, March 5th. The governor has yet to announce it and make it public, or at least I haven't heard that he has. I would have hoped that I heard that he had, um, He's been uh, preoccupied. He's been preoccupied, and of course, we should wait wait on that. There's no need to do that now. But but I look uh, I look for New Jersey to uh, as we come out of this to actually uh, put itself uh, very much in play uh, to create welcoming environments for not only the, the motor carrier version of this thing, but also the 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 the, per- the people mobility version, the mobility v- machine version of this thing, and and put us in the play. Uh, I've had very good meetings uh, with uh, all levels of people in in Trenton, New Jersey, wanting to get something initiated. Uh, uh, they're really focused on 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 uh, in a sense of it's called uh, people who who are, who have been mobility deprived uh, out of the personal automobile, and that, that is uh, really looking at the at the um, uh, people that don't have access to automobiles being largely the poor and and having them have access uh, and providing access to blue collar jobs which is really uh, you know the, the kind of the key piece as well as everything they, else that can improve their uh, quality of life uh, you know libraries uh, sports facilities and so on and so forth uh so that would be that would be a focus and uh, and to get it started in 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 the state capital and then and then have it grow virally sorry shouldn't call it that but then you know spread uh because of its uh, overwhelming success uh throughout the state if it's not successful and it dies and you know then we made a mistake here this isn't valuable thing we've been we've been wasting our time i don't think so i think this is this is a mobility opportunity for many uh and and can serve to really improve their quality of life uh, the young, the old, uh, the yeah, poor, the, you know, that's and that's, that's been my focus and, um, and, uh, looks like, and we'd love to get it started here in, uh, in central Jersey. Stay tuned coming soon. We hope so Richard, we want to really thank you for taking the time to be here with us. Really terrific. You're welcome. Yeah.
yeah, I enjoy the conversation. Yeah, it's always great, Richard. Uh, we'll do it again, huh? And congratulations on your article in, in Forbes. Really good, okay? Thank you. Really good, thanks. And the website is richardbishopconsulting.com. That's going to wrap up this edition. Thanks to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO. And more information is available on MOTOETF.com. You can find us at SmartDrivingCar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, wherever you get your podcasts, and ask your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at Textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Stay safe, and thanks for listening. Yeah, and um, remember, physical distancing, uh, not social distancing. Okay, but physical distancing. Take care.